Morning, all. Morning to those of you watching online as well. Happy anniversary, as was already said. We are concluding our all-in series this morning by a challenge uh, to be all-in in a deeper commitment to your personal faith by a deeper commitment or engagement with the mission of the church. That's what this is about, Jason mentioned. So let me start with the end in mind. Okay, We really want to encourage all of you, every person in this room, to make a commitment now, it's an individualized commitment. There's just a handful of things here. They're not very detailed. They're not programs. They're commitments to invite, to mobilize, to make, be involved in one-on-one discipleship. They're commitments to take a deeper step of faith in discipleship vis-a-vis this church. That's what it is. And that's God's plan for growing as a Christian, growing as a follower of Jesus. And we want to see everyone in our church take a step further. My sense is, our point is, the best way we can honor the past, the many names that we don't know who helped build this great church and made an influence in this community for a hundred years, is by committing ourselves to a deeper engagement to the person of Jesus and to the mission he's given us. So that's really the point of this. But let me say this. So this is where we're headed at the end of this service. This card is just a step, okay? Just a step. You're not signing up for anything individually. That comes after. We'll follow up with you. But you're really making a commitment. You're expressing a commitment to God. But the big idea of this series, the big idea of this sermon is this. Commitment is at the is, is at the heart of discipleship. It's, it's central to discipleship. And by the way, it always has been. Okay, It's not a new idea if you look into the words of Jesus. It's always been at the heart of discipleship. When Jesus said, you know, these famous words, many, many, uh, you know, in the New Testament, when he said, listen, unless you deny yourself, that is, to say no to your smaller ambitions and pick up the larger ambitions by following me, by throwing your lot with me, unless you deny yourself, you cannot be my disciple. That wasn't some kind of high bar test Jesus was giving. Jesus was just simply explaining what discipleship is. Say, listen, if you really want to experience the life that I'm talking about, the life of the scriptures, the power of God, the purpose of God, the the spirit of God working and pulsing through your life, your mind, your heart, if that's what you really want, we call that discipleship, then you have to say no to your smaller ambitions. With both hands, you need to grab hold of me. It was just simply an explanation, okay? But commitment is also, point of my short sermon today, it's also the way to lasting joy, okay? Joy. Ask yourself this question. Do you have the joy of the Lord? Do I have the joy of the Lord? Joy is at the center of the Christian life. Joy is the central point of the Christian life. Joy is the engine, or it's supposed to be, of the change that takes place over your life, uh, in my life, and in your life over the course of time. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46, in a message titled, All in Commitment. All in Commitment. Jesus speaking to his disciples. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in a field. When a man found it, woman found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field, said another way. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had. 
Joy is at the heart of the Christian life, or it's supposed to be. Joy is the engine of our change. Very short story packed with a lot of punch. Somebody finds something. We'll define it in a second. Let's call it the purpose of God. Let's call it the power of God. Let's call it the, the, the presence of God, the gospel. They find something, and it's so overwhelming, so beautiful, so, you know, re, revisions their entire sense of reality that they go, not under compulsion, not under orders, you know, not told because they're supposed to, not under obligation, these short parables. They sell everything they have without a second thought to get a hold of that buried treasure, to get a hold of that pearl of great prize. There are a few places in the New Testament so, that so perfectly spell out the main focal points of the gospel, which are grace and demand, what the gospel offers you, okay, that's free. That's the amazing love of God. As, as Tim Keller often says, what is the gospel? It's being kissed awake, right? That's, in other words, it's, it's what the gospel offers you, this parable, but also what the gospel demands of you to live the life that God has told you to live. There are a few places that spell the, out the focal points of the gospel and put them in their proper sequence than these two short parables. Okay? The joy is the engine of our change. The all-in challenge. Let me say this. Parables are made-up stories with a point. You've heard that before. Made-up stories with a point. That joy is the engine of change. But let me give you a historical, as we, as we dive into this talk, a historical example of what this parable is saying. I don't know how many people at this point, you know, uh, in the early part of the 20th century, know the name David uh, Livingston. But David Livingston was a famous doctor, British doctor in the 19th century. He was also a famous explorer. And he helped explore and map out the entire continent of Africa. And he was also, not only was he a famous doctor, he was a famous explorer. He also, after he made these great explorations, he was one of the strongest voices in the middle of the 19th century against the slave trade. But in addition to being a doctor, in addition to being a great explorer, kind of a Renaissance man, addition to being someone who spoke openly before uh, uh, certainly the British or even the American uh, changes in slavery in the late 19th century. Um, he was a great voice. He was also a very committed Christian and missionary. In fact, although he only had, famous story, one convert. And, you know, probably 30 years in Africa, he had one convert, a close friend of his. He was in the country of Botswana. That one convert, eventually after the death of David Livingston, led his whole tribe uh, of people to Christ. And through that man's life and witness, after the death of David Livingston, countless people came to Christ in the continent of Africa. And missiologists say more people came to Christ through this one man who was a convert of David Livingston than all of the European missionaries sent to the continent of Africa combined, okay? David Livingston, this is his story. Now, did he have any sacrifices in his life? Well, yeah, he had six kids. Some of them died young. He even had a son that fought and died in the American Civil War, even though he was British. Uh, his wife spent many, many years away from him. He spent the last four years of his life in anonymity, essentially laying on his back somewhere uh, because of malaria. He had over 30 times he had malaria, which ultimately took his life. But some years uh, before that, he stood before a group of college students at Cambridge University 
said these famous words. For my part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. 1857, I believe. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Away with the word in such a view. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then make us pause and cause the spirit to waver. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. Okay? That's what this is saying right here. This is what Jesus is trying to say to his, to his disciples and to you and me. When you understand what the kingdom of God is, when you understand what the hidden treasure is, when you understand what the pearl of great price in this, when you understand what it is, yes, you have to give something up for it. Yes, there's an exchange made. But it's not a sacrifice. Okay? First thing Jesus is going to say to his disciples, to you and me this morning, if you have our ears to hear, if I do, a new world is waiting to be discovered. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Christianity offers you. A new world is waiting to be discovered. Let me say something quickly, because I don't know where everybody's in a different place. You know, is Jesus telling these disciples that what you need to do to become a Christian, the gospel, sell everything you have, right? Your, your car, your house, your boat, your whatever. Sell everything you have and trade it in so you can become a Christian. Of course not, right? That's not the gospel, Jesus isn't talking in these very important short parables or the other ones around it about how to become a Christian. Listen, he's talking about how to live as a Christian. Okay? How to live as a Christian. You become a Christian by humbly receiving God's grace, by being kissed awake, okay? But what's being stressed here is the human response to the new world that God started in the person of Jesus Christ in the midst of the old world, okay? This is, a, this is a worldview sermon, okay? Jesus started a new world in the midst of the old one. The Bible calls it the kingdom of God. Here it calls it the kingdom of heaven, one and the same. But what does that mean, the kingdom of heaven? It doesn't mean it's in heaven, right? It's the kingdom, it's in this earth, it's a hidden treasure in a field, it's here. Jesus isn't telling his disciples to go to heaven, He's talking about the power of heaven. What is the power of heaven? What is the kingdom of God? It's the exercise of God's authority on earth and in my life. Listen, in the future, the whole world will become one with the kingdom of God. We know that's not the way today, right? If the world was the kingdom of God today, would there be a buffalo? Would there be a Ukraine? Would there be cancer? Of course not. But the day is coming when the whole world will become one with the kingdom of God. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. Okay, this is, God wants you and me to see the future. He wants you to see where this is headed as a motivation to live your life today. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The day is coming today. It's not today, but it's coming. 
the end of death, the end of disease, the end of pollution, the end of cancer, the end of war, the end of, uh, of all kinds of terrorism and death. It's going to be over. And there will be one and the same. Okay? But it's not today. Okay? It's not today. But don't make that your excuse. Don't make it my excuse. As Shakespeare said in the mouth of Macbeth, every new morning, new widows howl, orphans cry, New sorrows strike the face of heaven. That happens every day. It's why many of us are, are skittish. Many of us are quiet. And many of us, listening to me or not, say uh, uh, Christianity can't be true because the world is broken. No, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. It'll be one and the same someday. Today it isn't, but it is here, friends. Okay? It's like a buried treasure. It isn't, it's a simile. It's like a buried treasure. But if you find it, it's so amazing, so full of possibilities that if you're smart, this is what Jesus is saying, you will reorient your life around it. Not simply come to church, I'm all for that. Not simply give God an hour a Sunday. You will reorient your life around it. That's what he's trying to say. It's full of possibilities. The kingdom of God, by the way, is not the kingdom of heaven, the buried treasure, the pearl of great price. It's not a possession, right? We're so possession-focused in our world. It's not like a bar of gold or a suit of clothes. What is the kingdom of God? What is the pearl of great price? What is the buried treasure? What is the kingdom of heaven? It is a sphere of authority, of power, that you learn to live within. That's what Jesus is saying. It's the sphere of his authority or his power that you learn to live within. Guys, in the way in is discipleship. That's the way in. The way you experience greater and greater reality living inside the sphere of God's authority in this life before we get to a Revelation chapter 11 is by doing a greater commitment to the life of Jesus, putting yourself under his authority, under his power more and more. That's a choice that you make. And it's the choice that Jesus is encouraging to his disciples here. He's not encouraging them to become Christians. He's encouraging them a pathway of how to live as a Christian. Okay? That's what discipleship is. It's apprenticeship to Jesus. Right? Jesus said these famous words in John chapter 3. We'll look at them in June. He said this. Except a man or woman be born again, it's just a metaphor, being born from above, a spiritual rebirth, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, listen, the kingdom of God is here. It's all over the place, but you can't see it unless you're born again. But once you see it, if you see it, Rob, what is it? It's, it's a peace. It's the place, I should say, excuse me, of lasting peace. Okay? It's not peace that's circumstantially uh, um, relative to your circumstance. It's a place of lasting peace. It's a place of supernatural power. It's a place of true purpose. That's what it is. And once you see a place of lasting peace, even in, the, even in a broken world, once you see a place of supernatural power, once you see a place where true purpose can connect with your life, he's saying, listen, the decision should be quick and it should be easy. That's what Livingston said. That's what Jesus is saying here in these two parables. Now listen, of course, to do what this parable is encouraging us to do, to take your discipleship more seriously, to put Jesus Christ at the center of your life, to reorient your life, not your Sunday, around Jesus, it's not always easy, 
okay? It's not always easy, but listen. What did David Livingston say? Was there anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger? Sure. But let me say something you already all know. The people who aren't in church today, the people who don't know Jesus as their Savior, their life isn't a picnic either. Suffering, anxiety, it's part of what it means to be a human being. Don't make that your excuse for not giving your life to Jesus. But I would say this to you, friends, as your pastor in love. If you are a Christian, but you'd say, you know, I don't know, the Christian life, it's a burden, it's a drag, it's a bore. I would suggest to you two things, or one of two things. Either you're not a Christian, okay, like some of these friends said, grew up in the church. You're not a Christian, or no one's ever taught you to live like one. That's the point of what I'm trying to say. Christianity is a participation sport. It's not a spectator sport. And Jesus is saying, listen, the, the kingdom of the future is available to you today, but you have to go after it. It's like a buried treasure. You have to give your whole life to it. You have to go after it with everything that you have. A new world is waiting to be discovered. Have you discovered it? Second, the new world, it's, another, it's a metaphor for the kingdom of God, is an undoing of the past. Now think about your Christian life. That's what this short parable tells us. It's an undoing of the past. To become a Christian just simply isn't check the box, raise my hand, I got a ticket to heaven. In some sense, it's that easy. So I don't want dis- to confuse you. The gospel is all about God's grace. But God doesn't want to just save you from your sin. He wants to ch- change you into someone who's like Jesus. He wants you to experience the full power of God over the course of your life. So the new world is, is, is an undoing of the past. In this short parable, nobody put, you know, under compulsion. Nobody's under obligation. These two characters, it's a parable. What do they simply do? They discover this hidden treasure. They discover this pearl of great price. And they go and say, listen, this is an easy decision. I'm going to sell everything I have. I'm going to exchange my small ambitions, my small desires, my materialism, whatever it is that I'm living for, I'm going to quickly change that in. Not because I have to, but because I get to, because I understand the value of what the kingdom of God is. Okay? It's an undoing of the past. The action to liquidate was not under compulsion or obligation, but in joy. Once understood, here's the point, that the kingdom of God is about the power of God in your life. It's about a deep kind of peace that nothing else gives. It's about a sense of purpose that nothing in this world could give. Once you understand that, It's a very simple decision. The kingdom of God, here's the point, is of incomparable worth. And one should do everything possible to fully experience it. And the price, this is what Livingstone was saying, in the end is not really a sacrifice. It's an exchange of something lesser for something greater. Have you done that? And are you doing that over the course of your days and weeks? Listen to the Apostle Paul's testimony. Same thing. Livingstone said 1,800 years later. But whatever were gains to me, whatever were gains to me, but there's a lot in those few words, was the Apostle Paul, um, whatever David Livingstone was to 19th century British, the Apostle Paul was 10 times that relative to his importance to his community. He was a, when, Paul, when the Apostle Paul walked in a room in Jerusalem, people made way for him. 
He was trained under the smartest guy in all of Israel. He, he, underst- he spoke multiple languages. He was a Roman citizen, which very few people had. If you do your homework, he was a, a celebrity of a kind. But he said, what were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Why? Because I have to? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. That's the hidden treasure. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage. The old King James says, dung. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now what's Paul saying? He's not saying, I have to work my way into being a Christian. He's not talking about how to become a Christian. He's talking about how to live as one, right? If you know Christ as your Savior, the day you trust Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future. I don't understand that, but that's what's true. That's the amazing grace of the gospel. Clean slate forever because Jesus stood in your place. Amen. Amen. But, But that has nothing to do with the power of God pulsing through your heart and your mind and your decisions and your relationships. It has nothing to do with the kind of self-control that the, the, the Spirit of God gives you. It has nothing to do with living with a kind of purpose that David Livingstone had and many others like him. You have to go after that. You have to go after that. The first person baptized, not this service, but the last one, Brittany Kent, young lady, said these words with her permission. I was raised in the church. However, I resented the strict teachings of the narrative of judgment and condemnation. I was introduced to Browncroft through a former manager. She shared with me a similar story. At her suggestion, I went to a service at BCC and was struck by how open and inviting the congregation was. I'm recovering from debilitating anxiety and trauma and and having a strong, deeply rooted faith has provided me with a strength that has sustained me. During one of his Sunday messages in the winter of 2020, Pastor Rob shared the idea Quote, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That changed my life. We live in a society where judgment is on the tip of our tongues. I'm guilty of it too. And yet, when we die, all these labels, all these constructs that we've created will no longer matter. I felt a light illuminate my soul and I knew it was the Lord whispering to me, follow this path. Brittany Kent didn't just become a Christian, enter the kingdom of God. She didn't just enter the new world. She made a decision to put the old world behind her, the old world of judgment behind her and follow his path. That's what I'm talking about, okay? This young lady's been a Christian for two years. Some of us have been Christians for two decades and we still haven't, in a manner of speaking, understood that the new world is an undoing of the past, right? It's not a single decision either. It's a lifetime of daily decisions. Baptism demonstrates that commitment to put his authority first in your life, okay? Finally, joy requires commitment. This is what Jesus is saying. None of these parables is about how to become a Christian, These parables are about how to live, as Jesus would say, 
I came to give life and life to the full. Another version says, I came to give life, um, life in full abundance. Now, I hope you know what Jesus is saying when he's talking about the abundant life. He's not talking about materialism. He's not talking about, you know, possessions. He's not talking about money in the bank. He's talking about spiritual power. He's talking about a peace that nothing else can, can steal from you. He's talking about a purpose to get out of bed that's beyond your own small ambitions. That's what he's talking about. If someone came to me, I hope this would be true of you, but I think this would be true of anybody, and said to me, listen, you got two choices, Rob. I'll give you all the money, I don't know, a billion dollars. I'll give that to you, or, and I'm not going to give you a dime, I will give you, it's a guarantee, a peace, a deep kind of peace that, that, that cannot be stolen by any loss or, 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 or by any other person. I'm going to give you a kind of spiritual power to live a quality of life that you can't live um, on your own. And I want to give you a sense of purpose that will get you out of bed in the morning and give you a sense of joy. That would be a very easy decision for me. That's what Jesus is talking about. Joy requires commitment. The emphasis here on these two simple parables, think about this. It doesn't fall on the finding the treasure. That's not, that's not what the emphasis is. One guy, that's why there's two examples. One guy's a merchant, and he goes out and maybe goes after it, right? He's finding, he, gets, he makes contacts, he travels the world to find this great pearl, right? But the first guy, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, this may sound strange to us, but there were no banks in the first century. There were no safe deposit boxes. When people had valuables in, in, in first century Palestine, it's not unusual, they would often bury them. Where else are they going to put them? I'm talking about, you know, whatever it is, jewelry, whatever they had that was valuable. And, and life, listen, life comes and goes, not just in uh, the first century. Last Saturday, 10 people walked into a grocery store in Tops to get a, a carton of milk, and they, that was the end of their life. So that's what happened here, too. Some people buried something. Guess what? They're, they ended. No one ever knew it was buried. And then two other guys buy that property, and some guy's out there picking weeds or planting corn, and he says, oh, my goodness. Okay? The emphasis here, it's a parable, is not on the finding of the treasure. It's on the overwhelming response made to the discovery. Listen, people, the gospel is everywhere. Some of us became Christians in spite of ourselves. You know what I mean? I mean, it just, the, receiving the gospel is everywhere. Okay? I would have never become a Christian if I had to do this kind of diligent search. But living as a Christian is another story. These parables teach us that our response, listen carefully, to the gracious gift of participation in God's rule must be total. Okay? If you really want to experience a peace that nothing can touch, a supernatural power, what do I mean by that? To live a quality of life beyond your, your own small willpower and your sin struggles, to live a different quality of life and to have a purpose, a true purpose that animates your life that's beyond your own ambitions. You're only going to get that if your participation in God's rule is total. Those who've had their eyes open to what God is doing in Jesus, that's the hidden treasure. And the desire, the abundant life promise, must first commit themselves to wholehearted faith and obedience. Joy requires commitment. C.S. Lewis. 
it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Okay? That's what this parable is about. It's not about how to become a Christian. That's simply receiving God's grace as a free gift. It's being kissed awake. Oh my goodness, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for living for me first and then dying for me. But if you want to live like a Christian, you want to know how to live in that sphere, okay, of God's authority, you want it to, you want to have greater power in your life, greater peace in your life, greater purpose in your life, well, that's a different, you have to go after that. You have to make some, some set what will seem like a sacrifice, no to this, no to this, no to smaller ambitions. But as Paul said, as David Livingstone said, listen, as many other people have said, it's not really a sacrifice when you begin to experience the kingdom of God, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price in your life and in my life. The kingdom of God is a pearl of great value. If you want to know its power, you want to experience its beauty, you need to go after it with all of your might. I read an article yesterday's paper. And the article was said, The Last Movie Star. That was the name of the title of the article. And it was a picture of Tom Cruise. And the whole article was basically just saying, Tom Cruise has a new movie coming out, the remake of um, Top Gun. And, uh, and, you know, 36 years later. But the point of the article simply was this. In the day where things have changed dramatically, he's one of the last men standing. He's refused to do streaming. He's all about the movies. And, but the point was kind of a compliment to him, even though they're saying he's the last of, he's sort of a dying breed. It said, a lot of his, they interviewed a lot of friends of his, other movie stars, and they said, he, he, the reason Tom Cruise is the last great movie star, so to speak, is because he's the hardest working man in show business. So you wouldn't know that, I mean, if you're not in the business. They said, this guy is, he's the, he, they didn't say this, but he's the Tom Brady of, 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 of movie Actors. In other words, this guy gets up at five in the morning and he said, everyone said, whether you like him or not, no one works harder than Tom Cruise. Let me say something about Tom Cruise. I don't like him, dislike him. He's great, okay? But I've seen some of his movies, not all of them. Let me say this. A hundred years from now, nobody will remember the name Tom Cruise. Just saying. No one will know his name. Listen, a hundred years from now, probably nobody's gonna know the name David Livingston. But in heaven, they'll know who David Livingston is, okay? Why? What's the difference? Because Tom Cruise, as great as he is, I don't know a lot about his personal life, but he's invested himself in the old world. It's like Jesus said to the people who, you know, do their ostentatious displays of, you know, sitting out on the corner doing their prayers. He said, listen, you have your reward. People are saying, you know, in other words, your reward is what you got from investing in the world. Nothing wrong with that. If you, you know, we all, we've all have some trophies on our shelves. But Tom Cruise, I'm guessing, has made his investment, Tom Brady perhaps, has made his investment, whoever, um, in the things of this world. But they're all going to fade away. But let me tell you something. David Livingstone made his investment in the next one. Listen, you'll know David Livingstone in heaven. You'll know Brittany Kent in heaven. There's people in this audience here right now. You may never know them. You may not even know their name. 
they'll be known in heaven because they made a decision. They may not never be famous, but they made a decision in the life that we have left, friends, in this world. Is this world a mess? Is this world full of all kinds of brokenness? Is this world kind of a sad excuse for, for life itself in a manner of speaking? Yes, it is. There's all kinds of horror that takes place in this world. We don't have to make the list as, as quickly to make a list, but let me tell you something. The kingdom of this world is going to become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And that kingdom is here right now. You have to work for it. You have to look for it. You have to reorient your life around it. But if you do, okay, if you do, you can experience a kind of peace and power that nothing, that, that nothing else in this world can give you. And the, and the way to get it, guys, it's not a magic formula. It's called discipleship. You have to make a choice. Okay? It's not always as dramatic as these parables. You have to make a choice or a series of choices to put yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ. He's the hidden treasure. He's the pearl of great price. He's the sphere of God's power that can transform your life. You have to reorient your life around it. That's what this is. Discipleship is the way to experience the kingdom of God in its fullest. So this is what we're going to do right now. We have a couple of our elders come up here and, and just scatter across this uh, uh, platform. And that's sort of one thing you can do is receive prayer if you want to just have someone pray over you. But the main thing I want everyone to do here, okay, prayer is optional, is to take, make a commitment. You're not making a commitment to me. You're making a commitment to Christ and to say, listen, I want to... Whatever it is, if it's something on this list, you're making a commitment to, 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 be more, to be more open to sharing your faith, to get baptized if you haven't been baptized, to become part of the, uh, you know, the team that supports this church and doesn't just receive from this church. If you want to get involved in accountable community, you've never been a part of accountable community, as one of these, two or the three of these friends said, I got in rooted, I got involved in accountable community. These are the ways invite, make, mobilize, or just shorthands that you and I experience the kingdom of God in greater and greater measure. So we're looking to make a commitment. The best way we can honor the past, those who sacrificed for the life of this church for 100 years, is to commit ourselves to the mission for the future. So what I want you to do uh, is fill this out quickly. Maybe you've done it. Just come and drop it in this bucket, okay? That's all you need to do. And, and just go back to your seat. Well, is it, we're making a commitment together. Then if you want, this is optional. If you'd like prayer with any of these elders, just give them your first name. I'd come and say, Mary, my name's Rob. That's all she needs to know. And they're just going to put their hand on their shoulder and pray for you, and we'll be done. Amen? response and if you're coming forward please come forward and drop them in the buckets but let's worship the Lord together
now on a throne of majesty the father's will complete he reigns in victory sing hallelujah to the king he is worthy to There I go. Thank you. A couple quick things. One, it's awesome to be here. I'm, I can't tell you, my heart is so full. I'm so deeply uh, grateful to be your pastor and to be a part of this great community. Uh, wow. Uh, you know, um, thank you uh, for being a part of this great church. And let me say a couple things. One, even on these cards, of course, if, if there's a something to respond to, not everything requires a response. If you put something on the bottom uh, and wrote it in, we will get back to you. We're also going to pray, of course, as a staff, over uh, your lives uh, in some time this week. Let me also say, if you're a guest, if you're new uh, to the life of the church, this is our last Sunday on this uh, promise. If there's any more bags out there, I should have looked. But there's a great gift. It's just for you don't have to do anything. Tell us who you are. I mean, they might ask you your name or just greet you. I want to help you if you're new, but just take that gift right on the outside of these doors. It's a beautiful gift. It's for you. And then for the rest of us, thank you, Lord, answering our prayers. It hasn't rained. Look at the sun's out. I mean, that's a miracle of a kind. And uh, so there's lots of food. Even if you're in a little bit of a hurry, it's cooked, it's ready to go. Grab it, say hello to somebody, and uh, have a great, great Sunday. See you soon.